0: Thank Gosh, golly, I don't know. Six. Um, I'm not sure if that's bad luck or not. But today's question will be Would you believe me if I told you I'm still sober? So, this one is going to be kind of weird. Um, if you're kind of sensitive, is not the right word, but if you're not like in a great head state, this might not be the best one to listen to. It's just like a fair warning. I'm going to talk about a couple things that are a little heavier today. Just a little more... mm, I don't know. Maybe I'm going to try not to be dark today. But um, there's definitely going to be a couple topics I'll touch on that might be... I don't know. Not necessarily upsetting, but just not the most uplifting to hear about. At least kind of if... I hope that makes sense. It probably doesn't. So just bear with me. We'll get off the races on this. Um, So I... Um, have been sober again, yes, again, since May 9th of 2021, so if you look up how many days since then, that is, today is day 612, or 613, I don't know if I typed that one right, yeah, 613 days since the last time I took a drink. Of alcohol um, which is kind of cool in hindsight but um, lately it's felt almost as if I have not been living up to my potential I guess Um, as if I need to be actively more involved um, in the recovery community and I think that's true it's just a matter of figuring out what works for me that's it, the hardest thing since I got to Utah is, um, back home and everyone I've met usually <laughs> in recovery from other places have always echoed, um, at least back home, always echoed the belief that like everyone belongs, right? In recovery, welcome to anyone. Cause even though we try to live life and have fun at the end of the day, like it's your life we're talking about, um, and trying to stop doing self-destructive things and etc like it really does get hard and heavy sometimes so we try to keep it light um but we accept other people as best we can um and unfortunately in utah that is not always the case um which is very interesting to observe um i remember when i first um interacted with the the church has its own version of the 12-step program i mean it's not it's not like aana etc uh it, it it runs in a completely different format the way they do the 12 steps really i mean if you ask me it's very different but i mean the core principles are the same the 12 steps and like other people have been doing adaptations for years and years etc i think the first adaptation i don't know began I don't know decades ago right like there's all these different versions people do for different reasons for different things um and the first time I interacted with the church version I was not a fan was not a fan um it just was so I don't know it just felt like closed off which I don't think they disinvited anyone else but just nobody else came right so it just felt very narrowed I hope that makes sense. Like, there wasn't all this different diverse perspective mixed in because there just wasn't diversity there besides me, right? I hope that kind of makes sense. Um, And uh, because it was so God-focused, which is great, love God, right? It would drive away anyone else, right? So it just kind of left me with, like, mixed feelings that weren't really great and I wanted to just focus on on regular recovery because that had been working for me. But as it would so happen, um, I mean, I think I judged the church version a little too hard because I think in some senses they probably needed it. And by needed their own version, I'm referring to the fact that here, um, being a member of the church is not um, always a plus in (laughs) recovery. Uh, circles. There's um a lot of people in this state are more familiar with the church. There's a lot of people who are former members or anti-members or have a bunch of family that are members. And they take all that baggage, you know, their experiences, their baggage, and they kind of aim it at you. Like weaponize it and aim it at you. Um, and people react differently when they realize you're in the church and they go out of their way to point out that you're in the church and it gets very uncomfortable or like if they don't know you're in the church then you'll hear them rip a new one to the church you'll hear them say oh they're a bunch of weirdos and they'll still call us mormons and like all these things that just aren't um aren't okay i suppose And I think pretty much every version of 12-step programs that I've encountered until now, like, people really prioritized and emphasized the traditions and having respect. So, like, usually there's, like, the steps, right? Most people have heard of recovery, recovery programs, or 12-step healing, And there's the 12 steps that you take that are, like, actions regarding yourself, right? What is, um... Number one is usually something about admittance, right? Admitting that you're powerless over this thing, accepting that like you cannot manage it on your own. The second step usually has something to do with how you found some kind of higher power or turned to God. I think I mentioned in a previous one, like I want you to love God like I do, but if you can't right now or just can't period, I'm not judging you for that. I've been there. I'm not going to judge you for that. Third step, turning your will over. Your will being usually like naturally self destructive and counterintuitive and counterproductive, right? First thought wrong. You've probably heard the silly slogans like that. Uh, Fourth step, fifth step is where you uh, take the time to like really dig into your own past and your own self and figure out some stuff you're holding on to or some stuff you probably need to fix. Stuff that you know keeps you up at night stuff that you don't want people to know that's when you're digging into that because you need to clean house right (laughs) then you find someone to share it with someone you trust or at least think you can trust um they say that i think this is where in the book that like it one of the books uh where it emphasizes like it's better to meet god or whatever you're believing um buddha um uh, why Allah, um, I'm trying to think of other common beliefs. I'm not doing so hot on that today. Sorry guys. Um, whatever you believe in, you turn to that, um, and basically offer up this inventory, right? And you, you go through, um, with someone else, like all this stuff, all this stuff, right? So if you've got someone who's like not open minded, is going to judge you for all that stuff. The conversation's probably not going to go well. Um, but if you find the right person, then hopefully you made progress and you really figured out, like, a grounded perspective. Because I think when we look at stuff from our past and just, like, stuff, you know, even just current stuff that's, like, current problems we're having, we tend to look at it black and white. Like, either it's awful or it's fine. Like, there just can't be an in-between, right? Like, either we... um. Like, really fixate and um, really dig into it. Um, maybe rip ourselves down, you know. Or, on the flip side, we kind of ignore it, shove it on the rug, and just keep moving. And is isn't, like, one size fits all, right? But, like, in the gist, I think a lot of us think like that, right? Like, either something we did was acceptable or it was unacceptable and there just couldn't possibly be this gray area that you had to navigate and you couldn't possibly have chosen the wrong side of the line right <laughs> i mean i've had to go back and look at things so many times um that i just don't even care anymore like not that i don't care but like you know when you get those feelings okay maybe you've had this happen to you maybe you haven't but where you, like, think of, like, you do something. Okay, say it's like an argument. Say you got in an argument with someone, and you felt like you were right. Okay, this is a simple one. You felt like you were right. Later, you thought it through, felt kind of embarrassed, realized maybe you overreacted. Maybe you misunderstood something. Maybe you just handled it wrong. Okay, simple, said and done. Go fix it. Okay, go fix it. You're human, right? Admit you're human. Apologize. Try to do better next time, right? And that gets kind of into more of like a 10-step zone. But anyways, it's 5-6. Six. 6 is kind of weird for most people. 6 is where, I don't know. I don't know. Six is, 6 is really open to a lot of interpretation. There are people who really dig for 6. There are people who really keep it short and sweet. I think I'm on the short and sweet side. For me... Six and seven usually have to do with like, when you find, you know, a lot of people call them defects of character, but it's like your shortcomings, right? It's anything you struggle with and you think you should be better about. It could be things like being prideful or just honest. It could be all sorts of things, right? That just are kind of unsavory, basically. Um, and six is where you like, figure out what those things are. And seven is where you start to really try to work on them or ask for help working on them, be it from you know just people around you or just setting yourself better routines like whatever it is okay and then eight is all that stuff that you dug through and you realize where you were wrong that's when you start trying to fix it that's when you're gonna like separately focus on figuring out like where your part was in things okay and so you can file this list and the nine is where you formally start working on fixing it right so it could be direct apologies to people um I'm at a phase, um, and a point just where a lot of my amends, not call, call them is right, and you've probably seen in movies, like, man, I feel like they, like, always butcher it in movies where they make it look just stupid, or the person who apologizes doesn't actually change their ways. Like, it's never, I like it rarely ever sticks in movies. They really give recovery a bad rap. But so, in the, um... <laughs> Sorry, Marley. Uh, I was whistling at myself because I am tired, I guess. But so for me, a lot of what I do is called living amends. So I do make a direct apologies sometimes, but I think a lot of the bigger stuff that's happened is kind of already said and done in my life. And I had previously done like more direct amends when I was younger. And now I mostly work on just, living my life better. That way, if for some reason opportunities arise, like, there's a track record there of me having really changed. Instead of me going out first to apologize and ask how I can change, I first work on changing. But then again, there are times where I've done both. It, it goes both ways for me, but... but um, <coughs> Bless me. <laughs> um, Going into... 10, I kind of mentioned it earlier. So 10 is where you really, I mean, most people would do something kind of daily or just regularly where you like review basically your conduct again. It's not as crazy as doing a fourth and fifth step, but like you look at things you did, and you'd be like, hmm, I think I may have erred here. I think that I may have crossed the line here. I feel like I could do this better, etc." And then you work on that. It's a lot more of an immediate turnaround instead of letting things build up over years and years and years. It's trying to just address things like when they come up. Um, I think it's in one of the perhaps AA sides of things. I don't remember which recovery program says which anymore. But where they talk about like, I'm pretty sure it's AA. Where like I, none of us who suffer from these afflictions have it in us or have the luxury of holding on to resent anymore. Uh, Another cheesy one, which I think probably came from, sounds like a Hazelden thing to say, I don't even know, Um, where, uh, what is it? Resentment is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Um, It's this belief that all that negative energy inside of you is just no dice, and being at a point where you've moved on and change your life or like you just cannot do it anymore you cannot be that person and I know I struggle with that now like I cannot be as angry as I once was like it's just not possible I don't have the energy for it and when I get close it subtracts from so much of like the stuff I'm working on like positive things I'm working on in my life that it's just not worth it and if I do let it fester, because, you know, I'm only human. Once in a while I do slip up like something will really upset me and then it festers a bit. Um, I can feel that backwards motion. I can feel that like downhill slide. I can feel that basically losing battle. Until so I just let it go because it's just not worth holding on to. It's not a luxury I can afford. It's not what I want. It doesn't help. It makes things harder. It's no good. All that weight it doesn't have a place in my life anymore i just cannot leave that dedicated space in my head for it you know i hope that makes sense it might not so sorry (laughs) Uh, when you get into 11 uh, most people are focusing on some kind of uh prayer and meditation system um i think when you say prayer meditation most people think of like the traditional classic religious versions of it or the traditional spirit versions of it with like a singing bowl and lots of ohms and mantras and affirmations and all this stuff and it does not have to be that sometimes meditating could just be coloring getting an adult coloring book and coloring a picture who knows sometimes prayer can just be openly asking a question to the universe and that's the way that they broke it down to me at first when i was first getting into well the second time i was getting into recovery the way they broke it down for me it was prayer is like asking a question, and meditation was like listening for the answer, um, and that made it a lot easier for like a start point for me. Now the way I pray and meditate looks a lot different, but it changes all the time, and I mean that it really does. The way I pray changes, the way I meditate changes, and I also have different things I do to meditate. Like I could just be meditative. I haven't done like a sit down quiet super still for a super long time meditation in a long time because I don't feel like I always get as much out of that um, but sometimes I need it right so there's all these different moving pieces um, and then 12 step is usually giving back being of service right finding other people to help you know and then you'll hear the lines about to keep what you have you got to give it away where it's this phenomenon which I feel like it's been proven in science somewhere. Um, well, technically, if you backtrack it, the way you could look at it is they have definitely proven in science that you learn things better when you try to teach them, right? When So that's why we have kids work together on things, um, people work in partners, uh, usually try to pair someone stronger with someone who's a little less strong because it helps both parties. The person who's a little less strong in the subject learns more, right from the experienced party and the person who's already stronger gets to like reaffirm their knowledge um i think even einstein who didn't really maybe he did dabble on psychology but i don't think so i mean he probably read some high end high ends not the word some really lofty philosophy or something or the up-to-date psychology at the time and took the assessment but uh it, the way it's written, it seemed like it's kind of just a general conclusion he drew about people, um. And this is misquoted all the time to the point where I don't even know what the real quote is anymore. But the gist is, if you can't explain it to a five-year-old, then you don't really understand it. Isn't that beautiful? If you can't explain it to a five-year-old, then you don't really understand it. Um, and I think it's so true. Like if you. I think when you take the time to try to figure out how to explain something, it helps you really dig into understanding it. It helps you learn more. Um, Another one of my favorite Einstein quotes, which is also misquoted, so who knows where it really came from, is that you can't teach a fish to climb a tree. And I think I try to know the difference and find that balance. Like There are people who just think so differently, people who see things so differently, people who've experienced so many different things and just have different worldviews and all that stuff. And then there's people who don't even know what the word worldview means, <laughs> which is fine because, um, I don't think I learned that word until my, probably my freshman year in college. Uh, and I think it changed my life, but yeah, I'm getting off track now, but I'm also not because we're going to bring it back around to the point where lately I wish that I was doing more, um, that twelfth step piece, right? and i think i had vaguely talked to my my mentor my advisor my sponsor um like a couple months ago about how like it just doesn't seem like it's a good choice for me here to take up the role like she has in other people's lives but you're kind of that person to call on person to help them through the steps you know person to help advise them right uh they call it sponsoring in some programs um and here, because um, I didn't I didn't get my one year until I was here in Utah. Um, here, I don't feel like I fit. Um, and that's not um, the... There's this thing we call... Oh, what did we call it? Um, <laughs> terminal uniqueness. Where the less we think we're like other people in the programs, the less likely we are to do the things that they do try them and you know get through these steps because we feel like we're different right it's just a little different than that literally my first AA meeting in here someone went on like a whole rant about how terrible having to be around all these Mormons are and calling it Mormon they literally said I grew up here in Mormonville USA etc and like all this stuff and I get where they were coming from and I think when I came here I had this big idea about how like I could try to prove the difference, right? I could cuz I have met members of the church that um unfortunately behave in a way that makes me find it totally believable and justifiable and understandable as to why people are so angry at members of the church. Um even I have become angry at some members of the church and I am a member of the church. But we will talk about that some other time or maybe we will talk about it today. But Probably not because I don't want to be the super long one. But um, so I get it, right? And I'd hoped kind of almost to be like a fun liaison, you know, to like show people that like members of the church can be like we're good people. I know lots of, I have met, I have befriended lots of people in the church who like I would defend. I would defend their honor if someone went after them, you know. I'd be like, no, like you don't have a right to judge them. Um, And unfortunately, I've also met people who made me feel unwelcome. And here's the thing, though. You're going to get that anywhere you go. The problem here is instead of just addressing people as people, um, there's this habit to automatically translate and transfer everything to the church, which is not fair. Um In fact, there are times where I have picked a bone with members about things they said as if it was the church um that are not true mm. like um I think it's up for debate, and it should be clear which side i 'm on that we are Christians. And I think I've touched on that point before, but I'm going to drive it home again. Literally, the name of this church is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It's not the Church of the Prophet. It's not the Church of Authorities. It's not anything besides the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and if you haven't really read a lot of biblical things you wouldn't know that they use the term latter day at some point i think it's in i don't remember but for sure they use the word saints a lot they refer to the saints a ton so it's literally just trying to be god's righteous people that's it trying to be followers of jesus christ what on earth makes people say we are not christians i do not understand when it's people who aren't in the church i'm like okay when it's people who are in the church i my mind is blown okay christianity by default is an umbrella term for many different church systems and denominations that all believe in the crucifixion of jesus christ and that somehow he when he was risen back to life there was this atonement process completed that helps us overcome sin and helps us find our way on the path of forgiveness now that can sound really abstract and weird if you're not familiar with christianity at all i feel like most people who would listen to this podcast are at least a little familiar is because I don't know people from really cool parts of the world, who that are more remote or distant or have totally different belief systems. Um, I've, I want to learn more about them. Uh, but the point is, the people listening here probably understand that concept. Like at least understand what Christianity is. They may not be Christians, but like you know what it is. Okay. For some reason, it seems like some people in the church do not know. Um, which is okay. I suppose it is what it is. Um, it's one of those things I hope to maybe help change one day. Um or like when Real versus Wade happened well not happened, right. I'm twenty six, but <laughs> when uh whatever the Supreme Court did where they reversed part of it, I should have read more on that. I wasn't too into just because I I just wanted to avoid a the controversy, right? But when they did that, there were people who were like, ooh, all these people are gonna protest the church and they're gonna riot against us and everything's gonna be unsafe and etc. And like all this stuff. Like people were so worried about it. And I was like, why would they do that? And people were seriously concerned because they're like, well because the church is against abortion, which is f- false. Yeah, you heard me. You heard it here that's false that's very false the church policy is not against abortion it encourages it that it only be done if for some reason it be necessary for you know due to a health problem with the baby or danger to the mother um or I think I think they covered it if it was like a terrible situation you know like a like a I don't even want to say the word You know the word, don't you? The other thing that happened. You know what? I'm not going to say the word. The end. Moving on. Um, Like, it's just not true. Just plain not true. Just plain not true. The church has a very interesting way of having a lot of theoretically conservative functions or aspects to it, while also being actually pretty radical at the same time. Like can you imagine the Catholics being like, Yeah, no, we're we're pro choice. Like what? Um, obviously the Church of Jesus Christ is not one hundred percent pure choice. Pure 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 pro choice whatever. Apparently I can't alliterate today. Pure pro choice. But I have a feeling that if you weigh the difference there, they're about equal if not on our end of liberal. You know, like None of this matters, at least not in the grand scheme of time and things that I'm trying to relay. The point is, those are things that came from members, things that are just straight up not true. Or like when someone was like, oh, don't get me started. There's some other things I can get into um, that are just not true, that are just straight up not true. But people believe them because somebody told them that. And they didn't bother to look it up for themselves. Now let me say that again. There are lots of people who believe things that aren't true because they didn't look it up for themselves. The church has done a lot of due diligence posting a ton of information about itself. And with the vast membership, it makes sense for there to be tons of logs Um, and resources that clearly state as best as possible what the church does and does not approve of or endorse basically rules and standards or just like expectations you know there's all this stuff it's a lot to learn and I don't expect any of you to learn it at least not learn it yet unless you're very interested in it um but as it And then some of you might kick back. Well, how do they decide? Why do they get to decide? Well, what makes you different as a member of this church compared to some other churches that don't have, like, the same level of structure? I mean, like, the reason I mention the Catholics sometimes is because they do have, like, a similar scope of structure, right? Like, they are, in a sense, a unified church, even though there's so many different people who do so many different things, different... uh, the church of jesus christ latter-day saints is a lot more uniform and i think the reason behind that is because part of being a member of this church is believing that uh things are true right so if we believe um that the things okay so like the people that are making a lot of these decisions people up at leadership level and you know people they've appointed to help them make all these decisions and the train goes down i know i talked about priesthood keys before the same thing works on the literal structure side of the church as it does on the spiritual side the spiritual structure and with the physical structures okay where there's this concept of top down but this inspiration like it's not culty you can think what you want obviously right Proven that time and time again like there are members who say things that i'm like i don't know where you got that from but okay or there's the um branches they're not branches really but there's these other sex i guess you could call them s-e-c-t um sects who uh believe their own things entirely who use a different name besides the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints they definitely exist and some of them are crazy but that's not the church's fault just like there are plenty of baptist churches i think who are crazy (laughs) there's some that are absolutely amazing right and then i'm trying to think of there's i know you know them i know you know them i don't remember which denominations they are but there are definitely other christian churches who are just full of hate and it's interesting to observe who are just doing whatever they feel like doing um and it's horrible honestly some of the things they say and do one of the funniest things i can think of is i think it's in missouri uh probably somewhere near kansas city um There is one of those really hateful churches is based there. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. We're not fact checking. But across the street, for the longest time, I don't know if they still have it, right across the street from this disturbing church, which, by the way, at the time that I was there was based in like this big house. It wasn't like a mansion. It was just like a weirdly big house from the neighborhood that had like these really intense like metal gates around them not like mesh fence not like silver fence like big like blackish dark gray like the huge big bar fence around them and across the street someone had painted a house rainbow colors just to be right there to remind them hey we have all these diverse people here you know like it's intense right oh Cannot that story warms my heart. It reminds me of um. This is a tangent. I'm going to tell you guys about me and paper clips because I don't think I did. I mentioned that I love paper clips and that it's kind of like an inside joke between me and God and that it's a tender mercy to me whenever I find a paper clip in like a weird way, which sounds like really weird and OCD, but like it's so true. And two paper clips I found in funny ways. Two white ones are now clipped onto like my temple slippers. <laughs> that way, like they're always there to remind me. Um, when I was little, there was um, this. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of what grade. I wasn't really that little, was I? I think it was probably actually in middle school, whatever. Where they had talked about during the Holocaust, there was um, some people in the resistance would take paper clips, and I think, I can't remember if it was a super specific spot on their shirt. I think it might have just been the right side or something near their collar, and they would clip a paper clip on there. And that was the way that people who were, you know, on the run could know that someone was in the resistance. And I think they got away with it, like, for the entirety that they did it. I don't think the Nazis caught on at all, is the story I heard, Um, which is incredible. Right? Can you imagine that? Something so simple, just a little paperclip, clip it on, so subtle, to help someone know that you were willing to help them, that you you know, you were one of the good guys. And you're like, I wish they made a movie about that. Like that story, I've always held that story so dear. Um, and I couldn't tell you why, but that is just like one of the ways God made me. Right. And that's kind of speaks to the fact of like, so that's funny to me when well, not funny, but the, the funny fact to me is that like, we are all wired to like, like Or love certain things, right? And we're all wired to, like, remember things differently. I hope that makes sense. Like, so for me, like, this paperclip story never left me. I don't think I ever forgot it. But I know that most of my classmates probably never thought twice about it. I don't remember anyone else ever being as obsessed with paperclips as I was, right? Like, it was just... Um, so, I think even one of my f- rookie years of working in education when I was dealing with the bus, there was these kids that were so rude. They were so bratty guys. it was hilarious but also disturbing, but they were so bratty. It was also just i don 't know it was a roller coaster ride to deal with these kids because um and it's so funny because this this district at the time they had a few different elementary schools, and this was the one that was notorious for their kids being snobs. um Some of them were a little wealthier, but it wasn't even just that there was something about the dynamic. I think it you know—it was a special uh, <clears throat> immersion program, uh, language immersion program. And uh, something about that really gave them this sense of, I don't know, I'm not going to say the sense of because I can't speak for what they felt or thought, but it definitely seemed to result in them having this air of basically arrogance. Like they were not um, as is palpable the word probably not moldable i don't know they were just like a totally different vibe and i'm not the person who named them that okay that is what it is that is how it is okay don't blame me um but here like one thing i I call it a brawl but it wasn't really a brawl because they weren't they weren't scrappers right these were little brats these weren't little punks okay but one time this girl had the audacity to say uh what did she say someone said Um, something, oh, what was it? I cannot even remember what it was now. But someone was talking about mermaids, I think. And then someone else, uh, was talking about how glitter was better and called either the glitter or the, someone called either the glitter or the mermaids stupid. Next thing I know, someone has someone else by the hair while someone else is hitting said someone like in the face, I think. Like it was a hot Mess. this was like a fifth grader like a second grader and like a first grader like in this cat fight over mermaids and glitter like are you serious my mind was blown like i get first world problems to a point i do i'm a f- born and raised in the first world right but i'd never seen something like that I've grown more accustomed to that kind of person. But growing up, I never would have seen anything like that. Something as petty as... Something as... We weren't even... (laughs) I can't even remember a time in my life where I ever discussed glitter or discussed mermaids with anyone, let alone fight over it. That was... My mind was blown. But... These sorts of things, are where we get into that worldview thing, so I'm going to backtrack it up and drive this home, okay? Paper clips, love them. Um, and backtrack it further. There are people who say things about the church that aren't true that are members of the church, um, which I think makes it harder for people who aren't members, or people who are former members, or people who know former, like all of these categories of people, to figure out what's true and what's not. When all they have to do is look it up. (laughs) But um, to bring it back to where we started, I wanted to help, I think, clarify some of that. I wanted to help others, you know. My goal isn't to convert anyone per se. I don't think the church is for everyone, especially not yet. I think this church is going places, right? I absolutely believe this church is true. The gospel is true, right? But this church is still working on finding its truth, right? It's evolving. And I'm so excited to be a part of that ride. I am. I look forward to watching this church continue to grow. Do I think that this church is perfect? Absolutely not. And I will not pretend to think otherwise. Oh, I remember one of the things that I got in a fight with a member about. It was uh, LGBTQI. Um, someone had said, like, the church is super anti this stuff. And I was like, that's not true. And they were shook. I was like, that's not true at all. Like, the only problem with being, um, you know, uh, any of those affiliations, um, any of those orientations, any of those identities in the church is that we're pretty strict on the law of chastity, right? It's one of our biggest things that we're kind of notorious for is this law of chastity thing. Um, and with that said, um... The only way around it is once, you know, we don't just have regular marriage, we have a special ceiling, which I'll talk about all this stuff another day, because I'm trying to wrap this up, special ceiling, um, and after that point, then you can, you know, do all of your things with your spouse, right, Mm mm-hmm, um, there is no ordinance or marriage ceremony for anything besides a man and a woman. That's just the way it was made. I'm not going to speculate on whether that will change. I don't know. But what I do know is that it's not, at least from the top down, and not a policy, it's not born out of hatred. It's not. I don't care what anyone says. It is not. That's the bottom line. We believe in the law of chastity. And unfortunately, the way that it's set up, there's no way for you to engage in those activities without breaking the law of chastity. I hope that makes sense. Or things like most circles you're not going to fit in if you have, like, you know, fun stuff, like, you you know, flirty, risque clothing. It's going to be against the, um, law of modesty. That's not the, is it a law? No, the modesty, whatever. We dress modestly. And a lot of the wardrobe choices in those circles, not all of them, right? But you know what I mean, right? A lot of the wardrobe in those circles it's not gonna fit in it just won't and it it creates attention right and then add in that the church is kind of weird about hair still they haven't gotten past that right they're still on the conservative train of your hair should be a natural color right and you shouldn't have any out there attention drawing hairstyles like those are still absolute rules as like a church employee Or, um, if you see, like, our on-camera things with the choirs, like, usually people might have to re-dye their hair to, like, back towards a natural color. Like, these are just simple rules that, like, are just there. That, unfortunately, will make people feel like they don't belong. And I hate that. And I think that there's a medium ground, a middle ground, and I think we're still working to find it. Um, if you just want to come to church or come to events, like, that stuff is fine. But just know you will stand out. But also, no, there's no rule against that. It's really just church employees who really have to be on it. But part of that is there's lots of people who aren't religious who also instill the same rules because it's about looking professional, right? And in the church, it's believed that, you know, we're basically trying to be representatives of Jesus Christ, right? So dress up, look sharp. Don't walk around like a bum, okay? Okay. And that's why like missionaries, men wear suits, nice shirts, girls wear dresses. That's just how it is. It's part of a professional look. And there are some things that I think they might tweak over time, but I'm not in charge of that. Okay? All I'm in charge of is pointing out things that are not true. (laughs) Because it deducts so much from things that are true. Like, what is true is... I have love for people, and I know people who also have so much love for people, and I really wish that people could see more of that. Um, here in the recovery circles, it is um, not a selling point to be a member of the church, unfortunately. Yeah. So stuck between a rock and a hard place, um, but I'll figure it out as I go. I've met some people who have handled it well, right? Who are like, Oh, you remember? that's cool. And then there are other people who have said things that made me so uncomfortable where honest to good guy honest to goodness guys, I was too afraid to admit that I was a member of the church. Like I just had one of those rounds with someone the other day, like at a game night. He was like, I don't remember what he's talking about, but uh oh, Cidiopoly. Monopoly came out with these games where You can order, like, a special for your cities, and it comes with, like, certain special cards and a board and et cetera, and they were making fun of this Sandy and Draperopoly, which are cities in Utah, and saying, like, oh, I bet there's, like, the temple and all the Mormon this, Mormon that, and I was like, hmm, but then I tried to say, and, you know, I kind of set myself up for this by not immediately saying I was a member, right, because he said something about how, like, all Mormons are weird, and... He's like, I ought to know I grew up with them. And all I said back was, because I don't ever admit to being a Mormon, because I'm not a Mormon. And I'll fight you tooth and nail on that. I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints. Or you can call me a Latter day Saint, or you can say that I'm LDS. You can say I'm a member of LDS, even though it doesn't phonetically actually add up. Not phonetically, but logistically. A member of LDS. Not it. Okay. But something along those lines. uh, I will not let you call me a Mormon. Because one of those things that I would have stuck my heels in on, uh is I'm um, yeah, nope. Nope. We can argue about that another day, friends. Nope. Um yeah, <laughs> he's like, I ought to know. Grew up with them. What's the point in arguing with you? You've already made up your mind. Did you would you maybe back off if I told you sure. But I'm not interested in that. So whatever. It is what it is. The point is here; it's it's harder, and I'm still working on finding a balance. And I'm sure I'll find it. It's just going to take time. So I haven't been going to meetings, which, if you know uh, how big we are in that in recovery, that's um, <laughs> uh, dangerous, right? We think that's pretty dangerous. We don't like to mess around with that. You're supposed to go to your meetings. You're supposed to stay involved. You're supposed to sponsor all these things. Unfortunately, here in Utah haven't figured out a a good entry point for that yet um so i've reconsidered turning back towards the church version um but the problem is a lot of them seem to be lifetime members who just the way they handle it they don't even talk about things like i just i don't know it's just so different i don't feel like i belong there either so it's a work in progress but believe me or not i'm still sober So, would you believe me if I said I'm still sober? Guess we'll never know.